Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. A really exciting show today with Tammy Shea. I was at the California International Marathon when Tammy crossed the finish line, and there was some great uncertainty. Did she make the Olympic Trials qualifying standard or did she not? And it was quite a scene. It was 15 feet from me, and we dive into all of it here in this episode. It was a quick one because Tammy, as with so many people who are going for the Olympic trial standard, has a full-time job. So we had to record this on her lunch break, but we wanted to get it out to you as soon as possible because of the drama surrounding the CIM finish line. And we didn't want to wait. We want to get out there as soon as possible. And at the end, we do a little deep dive into Tammy's background, which is certainly atypical, which at this point makes it almost typical because there is no such thing as a typical running background for so many of these runners. Before we get into it, I want to give a huge shout out to ASICS for basically be the presenting sponsor for all CIM related episodes here at the Rambling Runner podcast. I love ASICS shoes upstairs right now i have six pairs and you say oh well matt that's because they sent them to you no 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 my friend they sent me one pair i bought five of the others because i love a6 shoes so very much that includes the nova blast 4 which just came out this past weekend i still love the nova blast 3 the nova blast 3 trail oh my god that shoe it's not the best trail shoe but i love it on the roads frankly i love the lugs on the roads yesterday i did my workout in the a6 evo ride speed a wonderful fast, lightweight daily trainer that I really like for workouts as well. Go to ASICS.com today to check out all of their offerings and make sure you log in and register for free on the website because they send out deals all the time. Now, let's get into my episode with Tammy Shea. All right, Tammy Shea, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me here today, But Oh, I am so excited. I was fortunate enough to have a like the perfect vantage point of the of the CIM finish line this weekend. I was right in the media center, right not in the media center. I was like in the media outlet right behind the finish line where all the cameras were and I had a chance to witness history which is exactly why I was there. I was so excited to be there. So we're going to talk about a little bit of your running background for sure. We'll talk about the race in 2023 and in leading up to it. But I think we have to start with what just happened, especially the finish line experience. So again, we'll do do a full deep dive into the race itself, but talk to me about, you know, say when you got, you passed the Capitol building on the left. So you're running down Mm -hmm. L street, you're about, you know, 25.5 miles, 25.7 miles into the marathon. You're passing the Capitol. How conscious of, of, of how conscious of the time were you at that point with roughly, you know, three to five minutes to go? Oh, I had no sense of time at that point, mile 25, 26. I no, no, really, I had no idea what pace I was running even at, on that last mile. Um, I didn't really know, um, like I didn't, my first, my first point was, uh, was when I made that corner, that turn around the finish was when I could see the finishing clock. So that was my first sense of time. (laughs) Did you get a sense from the women around you or the spectators that were, that were lining the streets as to maybe the proximity you were to a potential OTQ time at that point? Um, I did, I did have a gut feeling that I was really cutting it really close because there was there was a big pack of women that just passed me and I could tell that they were, you know, they were like in a rush. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, my, 
my calf was twinging a little bit. I wasn't cramping, but it was twinging for, you know, five miles already. It started around 21. And so I was just kind of playing it sort of like, okay, I can't do anything. I can't really like push too hard right now. I don't want my calf to give out. So I was just like, okay, just keep it controlled, smooth, just keep on running. And um, yeah, there were, uh, there was like maybe four or five women who passed me very, very, like in the very last mile I got passed. And so, yeah, I did, I did kind of sense that there was, you know, this is probably cutting real close, but I wasn't even looking at my watch. Um, but um, it was when I made that, I don't know what street that was called, but that turn you make to towards the finish line, I could see the finishing clock. Um, and it said 2.36.50. <laughs> All right, let's talk about that. All right, so you take you take the left and then the quick yeah. left, right? So people yes, don't know CIM. Yes. You basically, you're running on L Street for basically like eight straight miles, basically, right? Um, to, to finish the race. And then after you pass the Capitol building, you take a left and then a quick left where you're kind of going the opposite direction um, to face to, and you're facing the Capitol and mm-hmm. you're finishing in that stretch. And it's roughly... Was it 75 meters or so? Again, from when you take that left, you see the finish line. You have roughly, I guess, 75 meters or so. Is that how what you'd estimate? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Pretty short, but okay. Oh, so, so you see the clock. Yeah. You, so yes. you look up. You see 236. What do you say? 50. <laughs> 23650. <laughs> so not a lot of time left. Oh my god. So, so walk me through yeah. the physical, mental, and emotional like outburst or whatever you were feeling in the preceding, you know, 10 to 12 seconds or the following 10 to 12 seconds. Um, I, I didn't really, it was just like my, my first reaction was, okay, I got to run as hard as I can to the finish. I got to do something. <laughs> How can I be so close? You know? And uh, I just, I couldn't even think or feel my legs at the time, but I just like kicked in as hard as I could and I couldn't even feel my legs. I was like, I got to just give it a shot and see what happens. And uh, it was funny because the moment I crossed the finish line, I was looking at the clock and I saw that it was like 237.03.04, something like that, right when I crossed it. And I I was like, oh, shoot, I think I just missed it. Like, that was my first thought. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I want to talk about that in one second. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I want to just get the sense of as you were approaching the finish line, Again, this is at the end of a marathon. So, like, you're completely exhausted, right? You've used up all yeah. the mental, all the mental, emotional, and physical energy that you have. Like, was your, did your vision kind of collapse a little bit? Like, were you, like, like really focused on exactly oh. where you're going? Describe, like, what you were seeing. Because, again, to paint the picture, there's this big, giant finish line. There's a ton of people. It's incredibly loud. However, I can imagine that your senses probably may have, you know, um, taking it in maybe in a different way than the other people who were spectating it. I definitely felt like I had tunnel vision. I was paying no attention to the crowd, to the people yelling, screaming. I had that was completely like blacked out in my brain. I just could, the only thing I was focused on was the finish line. (laughs) Um, And and so, so let's talk about that because for some people who may not know for the men, the OTQ time is about the gun time. Right. So it's a, it's a gun time finish for the men. So as they were coming through their OTQ, whatever it said on the ticker at the finish line 
that was the, the cutoff, right? So if, if a male finished and one did at 218.02, they were going to be on the outside looking in. However, mm-hmm. and maybe not a lot of people realize this, and I'd like to ask you in a second if you realize this, for the women, it's the chip time is what matters. So you just mentioned that you crossed the finish line. It's 238.03. As someone who is witnessing this, I was 15 <laughs> feet from you as this happened. I was actually doing an Instagram Live of this exact moment, right? <laughs> and seeing every, no one knew what to do because everyone's like, they're looking at you and they see the clock, but they don't know where, the, where you started in the, in the crowd. Right. So everyone's just kind of like leaning back and forth. They're like, not sure what to do. What was your, what was your finish line feeling? Because, and then how did it evolve over the next 45 seconds? I caught the whole, the whole 45 seconds on camera and I could talk about it later, but talk to me about what those 45 seconds were like and how it felt in terms of like, how long did it actually feel in like Tammy time, as opposed to like, you know, what 45 seconds looks like on a clock. Well, I, like I said, I, I honestly thought I missed it by three seconds. So that was really my first thought. I was like, okay, well, I'm just trying to think about, I like, didn't even think about how I was feeling physically. I was just thinking, oh, how could I come so close again? <laughs> I can tell you a little bit more about my last marathon a few months ago. And I was like, oh, I came really close again. Um, so I was just sort of like kind of processing that. Uh, emotionally and you know someone came over to me pretty quickly the moment I finished and it was uh someone on my team from it was David Melly correct yes it was David it was David he came over and that sort of like perked me up when he came over and he like looked kind of like happy for me and I was like, why? I don't really know what's going on. Why are, you, why are you so excited for me? He's like, hey, I just want to tell you, I think he said something like, oh, you know, you're, you're, let me see your chip time. And he said, you know, and like he like pulled up his phone. I think someone else also did that, came over pretty soon after and said, hey, it was 237.00. And I was like, and even then I was like, what does that mean? Like, does that, I don't know if that's, don't you need to run under was what I was thinking in my, in my head. And they were, they, they said that, you know, that count, that counted. So I was just like, completely like, I was shocked, really. I had, I didn't know, like, <laughs> I like, I was like, are you sure? Like, I was like, do you want to double check? I want to confirm my, my chip time somehow with someone else, even I was thinking, but uh, it, it didn't really register till, till, you know, even after I like finished five minutes later, I was just walking down um trying to find my boyfriend zach and i was just like i don't know what that was <laughs> it was it was a wild swing of emotions so i david walks he, he is yeah. on if someone's looking at the finish line so like they were yeah. like so say, say they're in my position right so mm-hmm. i'm basically facing you as you cross the finish line david goes mm-hmm. from my right to your to my left Mm-hmm. like with purpose so you see him like walk right across yeah. like my screen like he's like like he's got the white singlet on he just walks with purpose right over to you yeah and it's yeah. obvious that he's like what he's about to like try to figure out right and mm-hmm. like shortly thereafter and people might not may have seen some of the pictures there's a there were um some volunteers handing out the otq flags so the one mm-hmm. the side that most people saw was like the gold side that said olympics trials qualifier and these beautiful things that people wrap them around themselves and everyone got one when they crossed. And the person who had the, them 
you know, for the women, he like wasn't sure what to do. He was just kind of standing at the finish line. But then he sees David walk over to you, and then he kind of like slowly comes over, and then he hands you one as well. And even then, so then you then you start walking back, you know, the same way David had just the opposite way David had just come, kind of across the finish line area into where people were kind of milling about after the race. And I don't know if you remember this. I look over at you, and I actually caught your eye for a second. And I look at you, I'm like, did you get it? I kind of mouth it to you, and you put up your hands. You went, I don't know. And it was like, it was the, like a, such a surreal scene. Yeah, no, really. I, I like, didn't know what to believe. I didn't know. <laughs> I was just sort of like, okay, this, this, someone needs to tell me. <laughs> so when did, it, when did it become reality? Like, wh- at what point? did the fact that you qualified for the trials when did that become finalized uh on site um i think when i physically saw i mean when i someone showed me my tracker and showed me in my actual chip time i was like oh okay i see exactly what you mean now and you know by the time i uh got my phone back you know i had all these text messages asking me if 237 flat counted and i'm just like i don't know someone just gave me the 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 this flag and i don't <laughs> i i think so but you know i'm not a hundred percent sure you know even that, even at that point i wasn't even a hundred percent sure um and then i think someone told me that you know they know something like someone also ran 237 flat last year and i have a friend who also you know has a guy who ran you know 218 flat and he qualified and i was thinking wait if someone could oh okay wait so this could this 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 might actually count. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. So, so yeah. do you mean do you mean like during the last training cycle, or they they hit those times earlier this year? Uh, earlier this year, not not okay. not anyone from the race. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because that's a great question. I think a lot of people, if, if they <laughs> were asked that, like at the finish line, hey, what does she need? Does she need the time mm-hmm. on the dot, or does she need to be sub that time? I feel like most right. people would have just guessed. Like they wouldn't have been a hundred percent sure about what it was. So, I mean, this obviously was a remarkable experience. Now, you said before, like, hey, this was the potentially the second time that you got really close. Yeah. So for people who haven't followed you on Instagram, talk to us about the first time. All right, guys, I want to take a quick break from my episode with Tammy to give shout outs to two of our sponsors. First one up is John G. Yesterday for my workout, it was 28 degrees and I was more than comfortable because I was wearing the John G. Waffle shirt and on top of that, the Zephyr windshell. My goodness, it was the best combination. I was warm throughout so comfortable and it just fits me fits me perfectly and i cannot say enough about john g all their attire is just like that also a five-year run guarantee so if you go to john g.com that's j-a-n-j-i.com and use code rambling you're going to save 15 percent on the best running gear in the world that will last you a minimum of five years in addition i want to give a shout out to v.02 This is a coaching and performance app that I've been using for a long time. It's an app that was based on science of legendary coach Jack Daniels. High schools, clubs, and universities from all over the world are having a great success using V.02. In fact, since 2017, Marietta Marietta High School has won a combined nine 7A state titles in Georgia. Their coach, Jack Coleman, said the features of V.02 
are exactly what he needs as a coach. The ability to create training plans that are individually personalized within each group is their favorite feature. That is also my favorite feature. Also, I love the comment section so I can interact with my athletes all the time after any run that they do. And it's all indexed in catalogs. We can go back and take a look after the fact to see how things went. In addition, V.O2 is offering 20% off their annual subscription for first-time coaches using code RAMBLING at checkout. So you can download the V.O2 app in stores or visit V.O2.com to start your 30-day free trial today. Um, that was back in May at Ottawa, so in Canada. I ran the Ottawa um, International Marathon and I ran 237, 40, 40 seconds or so there. So I was also right off. And um, that was um, that was sort of like, that was a good day for me. I actually PR'd by 11 minutes that day. Whoa. <laughs> so I wasn't wow. really easy. I mean, the OTQ was, you know, it was in, it was in my head. It was, it was on my radar, but I wasn't really that disappointed to be honest, at Ottawa, because I had just PR'd by like 11 minutes. So I was, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a huge PR. And obviously anyone who guessed that should be elated with their performance. I mean, that, that is for sure. Like, there's no reason to think like, hey, what if, right? You get a, a race like that, like that's reason to celebrate. Right, yeah, yeah. So um, um, I don't know if you want me to talk a little bit about Ottawa, but um, well, actually, let me ask you that, a question about that because it mm -hmm. seems like in both races that being hyper aware of your pace or your finishing time was not something that was part of your race day strategy. So, I'd love to learn more about how you approach the race, not only from a pacing perspective, but how you manage you know that that feeling or that pacing strategy, you know, not only in the early miles when you try to get in the rhythm, but as the, as the race progresses. Um, that's so, this is not going to be a very clear answer, honest, because uh, if anyone who knows me while running and running, um, I am not the best pacer. <laughs> I, uh, I usually run with, you know, a friend or two, a few friends. And if I'm, doing a workout with them, like a marathon specific workout, I usually sort of just kind of go off of my friend's pace or something like that. And I just work off of that. Um, and yeah, I'm not also great with, you know, looking at my watch and knowing what pace I'm running. So to answer your question, I really ran the whole thing on, at, on Sunday based on feel. <laughs> it was very much a perceived effort um the whole way uh but i will say that i did overlap with two of my good friends from boston so i ran parts of the marathon with two different friends and so that kind of kept me steady um for parts and were of you it. able to take yeah. cues from other runners i know there were a couple different people who were doing otq pacing and pace groups and things like that like were you able or were you in contact with some of those groups throughout the race to kind of even if you weren't sure exactly what pace you were running based on the metrics, maybe getting a sense of it just from, you know, context clues. So uh, I did know that I was not, I, I, I mean, I, w I started off a little bit ahead of the OTQ pace group and I never saw them um, 
on the course. So that kind of was a clue to me, you know, that I was probably on pace or just really close to them was what I was thinking the whole time. And that was in my head the whole time. You know, if I see my, if I see the OTQ pacer, then, oh, I better, <laughs> I better, you know, keep it up or <laughs> go a little faster. <laughs> um, but that never happened. That never happened. So my, my only context really was, like I said, I had two friends to run with. And I knew we were going a little under six minute pace um, for a lot of it. And um, I did I sort of run with, there were like a, quite a few, quite a few, you know, other elite women that were around me the whole time. And they, they were, you know, we all stayed pretty close the whole way. So it was really from the last six miles or so when I noticed that people were kind of making moves, some people were fading, some people were picking it up. And that was kind of how I, you know, I was sensing, you know, oh, I must be cutting it really close because, you know, there's like, I was like, I was also getting, oh, wait, I was also getting clues from the crowd because, you know, they were telling me, oh, you know, you're, you're, uh, what was it? Seventh woman, now you're 10th woman or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So I followed back, <laughs> you know, so I would kind of get clues based on that. Um, but I, it wasn't like I knew what the other women were running either. So, um, right. I will say that I did run a lot with my friend, Leanne Farber. Um, she's also, she's a friend of mine, a teammate, and she is my, like my main training partner. And we ran together up until mile 21 or so. And, um, from 15 to 21, something like that. And so like, I knew she was on pace. We were on pace. Um, and it was just a matter of holding it. So I love um, that. It seemed, yeah, and obviously it yeah. worked out well, right? This seems like to be a great, <laughs> great example yeah. of uh, being in the moment, but also pacing it extremely well. So mm-hmm. again, we don't have a lot of time here. You were at work, mm-hmm. so you're you're, an, you're a normal working, you know, yeah. working stiff yeah. like the rest of us, but you're going out there and hammering training. You're doing this on your lunch break. I really appreciate it. You're a data analyst. Uh, data, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, a chemical analyst, right? A chemical analyst for a tech mm-hmm. firm just outside of Boston, which is exciting. However, like so many people who qualify for the trials today, your back, running background isn't exactly like the typical, like, hey, ran really well in college and qualifying for the trials a couple of years later and kind of keeping the train moving. Mm-hmm. You went to Tufts University, which is a small school, small D3 school just outside of Boston that has mm-hmm. certainly high quality athletes, including my good friend, Peter Bromka, who went there. But with that said, not exactly a hotbed of running, but you didn't even run at Tufts. So talk to me about <laughs> how you got integrated into running and how the marathon came to be in the first place. Um, it was really a gradual transition into running. Um, I started running when I was like 26. Um, and I started, you know, during grad school, really. Um, and I was living, I just was moving. I was in Boston, but I was about to move to New York for grad school. And I just picked up running mostly just for kind of stress relief, exercise, nothing, nothing serious at all, right? You know, I was probably running you know, nine minute miles or something, you know, at the time I wasn't even wearing running shoes. I think I was just wearing like some Nike free something, (laughs) whatever those are called. I don't even think they're proper running shoes. So that's how I really started off. And my running really started taking off when I joined my first team in New York City, Central Park Track Club. And I was like 2019 or so. 
and you know I was introduced to this whole world of you know you know track workouts and like all these other serious runners and just road races generally you know all all throughout New York City and so that was really where I got you know all this exposure um, to road racing and um, fortunately I got injured a lot <laughs> my first few years there I was on the team I was always registered for for some race but I was never really able to run really well or train properly just for whatever reason I had plantar fasciitis um, a lot it was like a reoccurring plantar fasciitis I eventually tore my plantar and then COVID happens and I moved to Boston two years ago so I moved back to Boston and um, I joined the Tracksmith Boston Harris team and I was working with uh, with a coach at the time um, and followed uh, a marathon training plan specifically tailored, you know, like an, an individual training plan for the first time two years ago. Uh, and I ran CIM two years ago and I ran 248. So that was my time two years ago at CIM. And since then I um, switched coaches and I've been working with Kim Conley over a year, like about a year and a half now. And I've been able to progress a lot. Um, so I, you know, like I said, it was like an 11 minute PR at Ottawa. And now it was, it was cutting in this close again. So um, well, this yeah, is truly good. amazing. And a great example of like latent ability. Like obviously you're, you know, a talented athlete that finally kind of got introduced to a sport that fits you really well. And, and, Boy, have you taken off. I mean, this is truly remarkable <laughs> stuff. Tammy, I can't wait to see what's next on your running journey. I wish I, I, wish I could talk to you for a whole another hour. I know that you have stuff that you got to do. And I just really appreciate you taking the time after one of the biggest days of your running life to share uh, your journey with us. Yeah, thank you so much. I was like, it was, it was a pleasure talking to you here. And I hope, you know, everyone else enjoyed it. 